Good morning, church. Uh, I'm Langdon, for those that don't know me, and uh, just uh, a special welcome if you are not a usual uh, member of our church, uh, but you're watching this morning. And hi, mum and dad, because I know you're watching from Melbourne. Very exciting. Just put that in. Uh, I don't know how you're going in the COVID crisis. One of the things that I am finding at the moment uh, is trouble when I go to the supermarket, because of course, I want to get in and out as quick as I can. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but you get your groceries, you come up and you, know, you don't want to go through the check your own thing because you've got so much and you've got a choice of two checkouts. And you wonder, which checkout do I choose? So you look at the people, the, che- the checkout, the person working the checkout, um, and you're trying to gauge, are they going to get me through quickly or are they not? And you're sort of looking and one's going very slowly, you know, but then, uh, you know, only has a short queue behind them. One of the people, uh, the other person looks like they're going very fast, but, you know, there's a massive queue and they're talking. I have this amazing ability to pick the wrong queue. I can never get the right one. When I'm looking at those, person, those people working the checkouts, what am I doing? I'm looking at their external appearance and I'm choosing which one of those people is going to benefit me more. It's a choice of two people. Now, I'm probably also looking at the people who are also lined up in the queue. Are they going to be quick or not? But we always have this choice, this choice of two people. And as we're going to continue uh, through our series looking at the book of James, we're going to think from uh, these verses about this choice we have of two people. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that God's word is going to speak to us. And wherever you're watching this morning, uh, I hope you'd pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word this morning, God, we ask that your spirit uh, would speak to us, that your word would convict us. And as we reminded last week, Lord, that as we listen to your word, we wouldn't just hear it, but do what it says. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We're going to continue on into chapter 2. Last week, Ian shared with us from chapter 1, and he did share those verses. Don't just listen to the word, but do what it says. And he also shared with us from last week from uh, James 1.27 about uh, that religion uh, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And you saw in those verses James's special concern for the poor. James in chapter 2 is going to bring those two things together. And so he starts off, James uh, 2 verse 1, he says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. It's pretty full on. Because, I don't know about you, I don't always think of that, showing favoritism. Is that a big deal? He writes this to believers. He writes this letter to the church. If you're watching this morning and and maybe you wouldn't call yourself a believer, uh, this is not written to the general world. He's saying to the church, you ought to be different. And one of the ways that you ought to be different is to not show favoritism. Really? Don't show favoritism. Uh, One of the ways that you interpret that phrase, favoritism, is receiving the face. That is, making a judgment on somebody based on external appearance. And James is having a go because he's saying that's what was happening in the churches. And this is tough because this is different to how our culture works. In fact, I would say a lot of our culture uh, is based around favoritism. The entertainment industry relies on people having favorite stars, 
uh, favorite performers, favorite shows. Unfortunately, going for a job is often a case of comes down to who is the favorite person. When we vote on a candidate, what are we doing? And this favoritism plays out in devastating ways in our culture. On the 23rd of February, a 25-year-old black man was jogging through his home in Georgia, uh, a state in the USA, and he was gunned down by two men. Uh, I think former police. Police. What was his crime? He was jogging nearby where there was another crime, and two men shot him, thinking that he'd committed uh, that crime, which was a very, very wasn't was hardly even a crime at all. One might say, and it took two months to charge those two men. That's how favoritism plays out. It plays out in racism. Favoritism plays out in all these different ways. And favoritism is a choice of saying, "Am I going to choose one person, or am I going to choose another person based on favoritism?" I confess, I show favoritism all the time. It's really tough. I show it. Uh, it plays out as who I'm going to spend my time with. To be honest, I prefer to spend time, my relaxing time, with people that give me energy. If I find someone draining. Or I feel like I'm not benefiting from that connection. It's more likely my preference to spend time with them. This is a rebuke to me to James saying, "Don't show favoritism." When I'm in a group of people, who am I giving my attention to? Am I just giving short answers, or am I engaging with someone? Who am I showing favoritism to? When I ch- favoritism uh, affects where I spend my money, who do I spend my money on? So much of our world is based on favoritism. It plays out for me personally. It makes me decide where do I sit on a train? Who am I going to sit next to? Do they look like someone that I could sit next to? Who will I follow on social media? Or do I rely do I rely on other people showing favoritism towards me? What's the problem with favoritism? It's acting on it. It's uh, showing it. It's treating someone different because of the benefit I might get from them, and this is what plays out. And we see the example that James gives. So the example is um, verse two. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, "Here's a good seat for you," but say to the poor man, "You stand there." Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now we're not sure、uh, from the context if he's talking about a church meeting,、uh, like a worship meeting, or some sort of church council. But imagine this situation: a group of believers are gathered together, and a man comes in、uh, and is totally honoured because he's wealthy. We know he's wealthy because he has clothes.、Uh, In that time, pretty much only ten percent of the world were super, super, super rich in that area. Ninety percent were hugely poor. If you were super rich, you would have clothes that weren't homemade. You'd have a ring; it's a symbol of that. So there's these two different class divides, and the poor man that comes in is completely dishonoured, put to the side. They had the choice of two people. Who are they going to honour? Who are they going to show favouritism to? How would you feel if you were that poor person coming into a group of Christians who are meant to be loving and all that sort of stuff, and getting treated like that? 
Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you felt judged. You felt on the outer. It's hard. It's hard being judged like that. I remember I was at a bar, uh, at a restaurant, at, waiting at the bar for some takeaway, and I started chatting to this guy. And I asked him questions about himself. How are you going? Who, what do you do? He said, I'm a real estate agent, I'm this and this and this. And uh, finally, after like 10 minutes, he said, you know, what do you do? And I said, oh, I work for a church. And his response was to, oh, and just walked away. And I felt really judged because I'm like, you don't know me. You don't know my story. I've got a whole life. I've got dream. I've got all these things. And you feel judged. And I don't know if you felt like that before. I don't know how this poor person would have felt in this example that James has given us. It's really hard. Even just talking about this might bring back some bad memories for you. I hope this hasn't happened, but maybe you felt it even by coming in to our church. It sucks. Why is favoritism so bad? James is going to go take us through why it's so bad. And it's really, really serious is what we're going to see. So he goes, so again, in verse 4 he says, one of the reasons why it's so bad, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? When we show favoritism, we judge people. We become judges. Often when we judge someone, we have some unit of comparison that we like to weigh up between one person and another. Uh, maybe because they're better looking, or they're smarter, or they've got skills, or they're more intelligent, or they're funnier, or they're more charming. We, we use these factors to weigh things up and decide which of those people is going to benefit me more. I'm going to choose the person that I think is going to benefit me more. Now, the problem... One of the problems with that is, when we judge someone, it's actually not our job to do that. We're essentially saying, I'm God. I have the ability to judge someone. And why is favoritism so bad? Because when we do that, we don't see people as God sees them. Look in verse 5. He says, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those to those who love him God chose those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith to inherit his kingdom Jesus picks this up in uh, Matthew's gospel Matthew 5 verse 3 the Beatitudes blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven God loves those who are poor and if as Christians we don't we're not reflecting God Uh, one of the best examples that I love is from John chapter 4 Uh, It's Jesus' encounter with this Samaritan woman. Here he is, and he's at the well in the middle of the day, and he meets a woman come to get some water at that time. She's there because she's trying to avoid everyone else. She is the outcast of the village. Yet who does Jesus see? Who does he uh, spend time with? Who does he invest in? Of all the people in the village, he invests in her. So much so that even the disciples come back seeing, see him talking to this woman and say, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time with her? The disciples didn't see her as Jesus did. When we judge someone, when we show favoritism, we're not seeing people as God does. And as Christians, we need to reflect that. Uh, James also gives practical reasons. Uh, some practical reasons why our favoritism is bad. Look at verse 6 and 7. 
Uh, you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? These are interesting verses for us to interpret, probably harder to apply. It sounds like in that context, gives us a bit of an insight, as the church was uh, giving this favoritism to the rich, it was playing out in court cases, uh, it was giving a bad, there was something about these people that were giving a bad name uh, to, to the gospel, to Jesus. But it gives us a bit of an idea um, that these uh, people that were being shown favor, this rich person uh, probably represents, it's a completely different culture. And uh, as, as believers, the believers that have put uh, their trust in, in not trying to uh, give in to that same culture, but to remember they're different. James is going to go and look at some theological reasons. Uh, one of them being that when we show favoritism, we're not living out the faith we proclaim. And he's going to refer again, uh, James loves to refer uh, to Matthew's gospel, to the Beatitudes. And, and uh, in Matthew 22, uh, he, uh, wh- uh, there's a story of Jesus uh, being asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is what's known as the royal law. It comes from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It's a core part of Scripture. And James is going to uh, pick up on Jesus uh, referring to this. Look at verse 8 and 9. He says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. James is appealing to the fact that when we show favoritism, we show we've completely forgotten the core teaching of following Jesus, of one of his laws, loving your neighbor as yourself. James is reminding the church, hey church, remember that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. So because you are saved... Because of what I've done on the cross for you, go and love others. Because you've been loved, go and love others. Showing favoritism is the complete opposite of that. It's like you've totally forgotten who you are. Like uh, Ian referred to last week, like a man looking at himself in the mirror is like someone who looks at God's word and completely forgets what it says. When we show favoritism, not only are we misjudging the other person, because of how they appear to us, we're misjudging ourselves into thinking we're actually good enough to make that judgment. And when we show favoritism, we actually become as sinful as everyone else. Have a look uh, in verse 10 and 11. He says this, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. If we're going to show favoritism, it's sin. And it may not seem like a big thing because it's so normal in our culture, but it's huge. And it totally uh, wrecks our relationship with God. Imagine you are a perfect person. You're the only person that's lived that, that has never sinned. You live this perfect life, you know, and you've lived to a ripe old age. You've, you've done well. You've never committed any sin. And then right on your deathbed, you have a choice, you know, of uh, two different people to come and look after you, you know. And you choose based on favoritism. 
you know. One little sin at the end of your life. James is saying, you know, if you keep the whole law, if you do everything perfectly, just one sin makes us guilty of breaking all of it. Of course, we all sin. We all sin all the time. We're all guilty of breaking the law. And, uh, you know, our sin of favoritism is just as guilty as if we were a murderer, as if we were an adulterer. This really matters. It really matters to James. He wants to bring the weight of how important this is. Uh, and he wants people to know when we sin. James says this because he doesn't want to write off favoritism as not important. It really is. And if you th- extend that thinking a little more, James is saying, if you're going to show favoritism like that, if you're going to live like that, it's going to affect who you are. And you have a choice of two people. As Christians, we, sh- we have a choice of saying, you know what? We can recognize we all sin. We're guilty of breaking God's laws. We're guilty of that. So what do we do? We put our trust in Jesus, who died on the cross to save us for our sin. And we're all in that space. We put our trust in Jesus and we're forgiven. And because of that, because we're all the same, but we've all been redeemed uh, through what Jesus has done, if we're believers, then our response is we go and love our neighbours as ourselves. But if we take on this attitude of showing favouritism, it can lead us to thinking life is all about external appearances. We forget to see past externals and see people as they truly are. We come up with ways to rank ourselves as better and worse than others. We judge others. We don't show mercy. We play favourites. We forget God's word and what he does for us. We forget to show mercy. I think James saying if we show favouritism, it doesn't reflect what God has done for us. And left unchecked, it's a massive warning light to who we can become. We can't be both of those people. We have a choice. That second person has completely forgotten that God doesn't play favourites based on external appearance. God loves everybody, no matter what they're like on the outside. He offers the same love, salvation and forgiveness to everyone. And he calls us to do the same. James finishes these verses and giving us an encouragement. If that's the case, believers, you can't be doing, how should we live? And this is what he says. He goes, I've brought this up so that you know. He says, verse 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He says, so live, speak and act as one who's going to be deservedly judged, but is saved and thankful. Live in the reminder that mercy triumphs over judgment for you. It's what our glorious Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Follow him by living out your faith and living out your word. That phrase, mercy triumphs over judgment, it has been on my whiteboard this week. I've been pondering it. And it's really challenging because it really shows how should I be living life? Do I live life that lets mercy triumph over judgment? Do I show favoritism and show mercy or do I show judgment? Every time I come into a conflict, every time I come into a decision, what permeates my decision? Is it mercy or is it judgment? Mercy triumph over judgment is also a reflection of the gospel. This is the great news of the gospel, that though we're sinful, 
God makes a way through sending Christ to die on the cross for our sins to offer us mercy, not judgment when that's what we deserve. He didn't have to, but he does that for us. How does that affect us? If you uh, wouldn't put yourself in the category of believers, maybe you're watching this this morning and saying, I have a choice of being two people. Am I going to put my trust in Jesus and know that forgiveness, know that joy and live that out? Or not? That's an option that you have. But preparing for this sermon has been a real butt kicker, as I say, because like you, I show favoritism. And it's hard. When I think about it in our church, you know, when we show favoritism, there's an area of hypocrisy about it. It hurts. One of the areas I think of is our welcoming. When we come back together, I'm so looking forward to it. And when we come back together, we have our wonderful team of welcomers uh, to welcome us all in. But our welcomers aren't just the only people in our congregation to do the welcoming. We're all welcomers. We've all got to welcome each other. But it really makes me wonder, when we welcome, do we just welcome our favourites? Do we welcome everybody that comes into our church? What does that look like? Uh, showing favouritism uh, you know, plays into why we have our social justice ministries. We heard from Manor Ministry. It's why we have mission trips and, and we support missionaries. Because we want to not show favouritism around the world. Maybe we don't always get this right. And, and, and I hope this is an encouragement to us. But it's also a butt kick to me. Because I have to wonder for myself personally, how am I showing favouritism? I know there are people in my life that I often interact with but I don't give a second thought to? Do I show favouritism just to the people that energise me? Are there people that uh, I, I don't give that energy? I don't take that time to love? Are there people in your life that you show favouritism to? Are there people in your life you overlook because you're showing favouritism to others? What can you do next time you see those person, people, see that person? Maybe you've got a decision to make. And you've got a choice of choosing judgment or mercy. It's challenging this morning. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, as we pray to you this morning, as we think about favoritism from James' gospel... James gives us a choice to make of two different people who we're going to be. Are we going to be that person who shows favoritism or not? Who shows mercy or judgment? Father, as we pray this morning, we confess we've shown favoritism. Even now, we think in our minds about how we've done that. God, you've reminded us this morning that that's not cool. Don't do that. And so we pray, Lord, that you would enable us to not, as believers, show favoritism, but to reflect your love for each and every person in the way that we live. Just as you've demonstrated mercy to us, not judgment. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd love you to keep reflecting on these verses. We have a special item, the heart of God.